Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. I am Anna Harak from Convince and Convert, and I am joined by the always amazing Randy Frisch from Uberflip. Now, today on the show, we have a really interesting um, topic and a great guest. So we have Ryan Brown, who is head of brand strategy at Seros. Um, now, Seros is interesting because they focus on experiential content. And Randy, I have to be honest because um, there's a little bit of competition between Seros and Uberflip. I'm I mean, you know, content experience, experiential content, they go together, but... Yeah, they're not really the same. And it, it's funny, some people on my own team were like, you're having them as a guest and we don't actually, we probably compete with them for shared wallet, you know, with some of our customers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as, as you unpack this episode, I would suggest you should be looking at a company like Saros or you know, there's other companies that do stuff like them too. Snap App's another good one out there. Um, you know, they'd allow us to take these content experiences that we direct people to and make them more interactive, right? You know, where, where Uberflip comes in is more ensuring that journey continues, but this is like, how do we make that one asset stand out? Which I think now more than ever is, is, is crucial, right? There's so much content out there that it's our opportunity to engage in that moment. And we're seeing that come into everywhere, right? Like, you know, we, I think you and I have talked about Bandersnatch, like that Netflix show. Did you yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, I crazy. haven't, no spoilers. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, but that, but, but that yeah. is experiential content. Right? Your own adventure. Clicking where we're going next. Like that's the world we're living in. So why wouldn't we be able to do that in a piece of content? Yeah. And I mean, even something from, I mean, that's a pretty grand scale of experiential content, but even all the way down to, um, for example, I'm going to Japan soon. And we, of course, as part of that, having never been there before, my husband and I are doing like volumes of research, right? And like, Everything you get when you look at, you know, itineraries for Tokyo or things to do in Tokyo, they're all kind of the same. But one article that really stands out, and I literally have bookmarked and gone back to a million and one times, is this article from Parts Unknown, um, Anthony Bourdain's um, site, about um, the perfect day in Tokyo. And the thing that is the most amazing piece of it is it is a hand curated itinerary and it breaks it down hour by hour. But as you scroll down the page, the clock moves. So it shows you where you are during the day as you get that piece of content. And it is like mind blowingly cool for the simplest little reason. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what we're all looking for is, you know, we're looking to be engaged and we didn't really talk about this in the podcast with Ryan, but I, I was thinking about how a lot of those needs for us on a content marketing perspective are also probably coming from, you know, the social experiences that we can create at, at, yeah. at our fingertips these days, right? You know, I watch my kids and even myself on on Instagram. You know, it's not enough anymore just to post my my video or my no. story or whatever it is. I have to add some sort of animated effect. Otherwise, I'm pretty much lame in my kid's mind. I don't know about the rest of the people tuning in. But right. for my kids, it's like if I don't have like some sunshine shining down, like the real sun is not enough. But also too, I mean, I feel like for you, once you have, you know, cataloged in real time the boat fire, 
then there, you, you can't like go back to the normal, just like it's True. a great day today. Here's my cup of coffee. True. I will never live down this boat explosion. Like people walk, I walk by the street and people be like, wait, aren't you that guy who <laughs> escaped death? Uh, my wife is so tired of it. She's like, can you stop blogging about everything we do in our lives? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you didn't blog about it or post about it, did that boat explosion really happen? It's the answer true. is yes, but. If, it, if a tree falls, does it make yeah. it nice? Uh, all right, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's bring in Ryan before this goes completely in a strange direction. Ryan was a ton of fun on this episode, uh, really helping us understand what is experiential content, including some really cool examples of it and we'll bring in ryan on that note hey ryan welcome to the connect show i am really excited to have you here and you know for everyone's benefit you are the head of brand strategy over at a company called Ciros. uh but a lot of people don't know probably what that means in terms of brand strategy, because that can mean so many things these days. And second, what is Ciro? So maybe you can unpack that for us. Yeah, sure. Um, well, first, I'll just give a quick overview sort of what is Saros. I mean, as a company, we exist to help businesses transform any piece of content into experiential content. Um, and really what that means is the ability to create like bespoke digital content, things that you would normally hire a web developer for an agency. Um, Saros is a platform that essentially enables like marketers and developers to create that kind of custom content. Um, but yeah, as head of brand strategy, it's I've had a really sort of like fun ability in my career to sort of always be in the realm of brand experience and coming to Saros, I'm largely focused on um, how can I help sort of the company evangelize both the sort of experiential content message, uh, message and vision? Um, how can I support sort of employees internally? But um, the other piece of that is how can we sort of have a focus on our own brand experience, both sort of in the digital space and in the real world um, and work closely with sort of like our creative director and CEO and how we sort of visualize that and bring that to life. That's great. And, and you guys do a great job at that. I, I think you and I going into this podcast had some email back and forth because you guys just did some, some pretty kick-ass videos that help people understand what you guys do, which I thought were really well done. We're doing some fun videos right now ourselves. Uh, and, and even sometimes I think you know, people have confusion as to what's a content marketing solution. And then even when you get into content experience solutions, there's some confusion because your company, my company, Uberflip, we don't really compete, but there's, there's naturally confusion. So we'll, we'll try and unpack what, what I think you like to call experiential content. Is that, is that the right term? Yes, absolutely. All right. So what the hell does that mean? Right. (laughs) I think so. A little just about my background, and it's helped me when I talk to others about it and just sort of explain what this is and what's that idea. So early on in my career, I worked at HubSpot in sort of the early days of inbound marketing, when you have inbound marketing and content marketing sort of like defining. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of overlap between what those are, but I got to see firsthand working with a number of small and medium-sized businesses as they were sort of responding to this whole sort of digital change. So I even worked with like plumbers on how do they take their business to the sort of digital world and like teach them how to blog for the first time. And it was really interesting. It was very different then. Um, I left after being at HubSpot for like three and a half, four years and went and worked for a couple of experiential marketing agencies for about five years and had the ability to work on some really cool stuff with um, TV networks and film studios. And we were doing like stunts in Times Square and big activations at Comic-Con and music festivals and a wide range of stuff. And then I came back about a year ago to the mark, mark technology, uh, marketing technology space at Saros. And I was fascinated to kind of see a few things like one 
you know, there were some cool innovations and things that sort of were changing sort of in marketing, but by and large, a lot of the principles and things that were sort of working on when I was at HubSpot, like didn't change dramatically. And one of those things was the type of content people were creating, which is largely like blog posts and PDFs. And, you know, having spent five years working with these brands that are obsessing over how do they bring their brands to life in the ways that which people are engaging with them and going to great lengths when they activate in sponsorships or they do in-store experiences or they're creating special customer and fan experiences. It struck me when I was coming back to sort of the digital space, like the experience that a lot of companies are creating with the content itself is largely similar. So you take the blogs, you take um, you know, PDFs and eBooks and white papers and reports, you could swap out a logo and the colors for one brand to another, and you still have a very quite similar sort of experience. So that got me thinking a lot about how in which we in the experiential world thought to create meaning and emotion and make moments for people. And there's a lot of powerful ways that you can do that in the digital space. So um, in many ways where experiential marketing isn't a thing, right? It could be how you show up at a trade show or event. It could even be how you do things in store. It's largely a strategic way. It's a way that it's kind of a mindset more than a tactic. When I think about experiential content, it's that same sort of thing. We're creating content for social. We're creating content for our blogs, for lead gen, for customer education. Um, I think experiential content is a similar sort of mindset, which takes it from sort of a passive, static, written-driven format into a way that actually is much more active and purposeful in ways that brands can actually create these sort of digital experience in which you sort of engage audiences, pull them in, um, and leverage the fact that you're using devices that have inputs. You're using devices that can trigger things that happen when you get to different moments of the experience itself. So one of the things that immediately pops to mind when you're talking about experiential content is this, the, the, the famous Sally Hogshead quote, which is, different is better than better. And I know everybody out there has heard that, but why is it so important to deliver experiences versus just looking at things from a content marketing perspective? Because there is sort of this evolution happening where, you know, people are in, you know, a few years ago, it was like, you have to create content, just go create content, create content marketing. It's going to be amazing. Everything's going to be fixed. We're going to solve world peace with content marketing all the way now into like, well, actually that's not enough anymore. We have to provide, you know, experiences. It's different now. How do you help people understand the benefits and why they need to make that shift? Because it is an evolution. Yeah, I think it's two things. I mean, one, like content is king has been a phrase that I've heard for like the you know, past number of years. And it's true. And there's like a deluge of content. Um, and when I came sort of back into this, I heard and was sort of paying, you know, what was happening in the space. It was becoming harder and harder for people to sort of connect and engage with people by just creating content the way that they've done before that sort of created this shift. And what I heard from other people and some of the talks, even just back that the folks at HubSpot were talking about how they even made a shift with the way that they approach content from quality quantity to quality. And I think that's sort of the precursor that sort of sets up the importance of experience as well. I mean, outside of just content experience, what's happening in the sort of customer experience space and the sort of experience economy that we live in, there's this convergence of which experience is super important. Um, so, you know, when I think about experiential content and even what you're just saying, I mean, the, the, this for us, one of the things that we talk about is this shifted mindset, shifting from this mindset of I'm going to create content to actually I'm going to create experiences. Uh, and I think that's a whole sort of psychological approach that you can take to when you're trying to solve for whatever initiatives you're trying to do in sort of like the, in the digital space as well as people have been doing sort of in the physical world for a while. Well, no, it's, it's so interesting. Like I'm, I'm not even lying. I'm looking at my text. I have a buddy who is, is not even in marketing at all. He's, he's the COO of this pharma company. 
And he sends me a text. This is just yesterday. He says, I'm at a pharma marketing summit. The presenter just now says the following. Their biggest costly mistake is too much content. And he then wrote to me, are you livid? And I wrote back to him. I'm like, no, this, that speaker is absolutely right. You know, and, and I think that's, that's what you're hitting on there, Ryan, is, is that we've been trained to think we have to create a certain quota of content yep. versus perhaps, as you're saying, it's about no longer even just the quality of the, of the content, but the experience within that content. Yeah, I mean, I'm super passionate about like, because for me, when I was, when I left the sort of inbound world, right, it went to the experiential marketing world, was super focused on this world in ways that companies think about how do we want people to experience our brand? How do we want them to interact with that? And so again, whether that is, I'm showing up to the lobby of your office, I'm walking to your retail storefront, if you happen to be a B2B space that has that, or I'm receiving your product and I'm unboxing it, or I'm seeing you at an event, or you're sponsoring an event, and I'm, I'm showing up, like the ways in which companies think about how important it is and treat those moments as products of their brands, experiences of their brand, I think there's this whole opportunity in the digital space to actually take uh, and craft the experience that people have with our brand. So whether that be how we're serving them up appropriate content to the content itself, um, I think there's this radical opportunity that people aren't quite viewing it through that mindset. Like we've, in marketing, I feel like we've gotten so traditional conditioned to like, oh, we have a website, then on our website, I have a blog, and then I create some ebooks that I link to a call to action, and I do webinars, and I nurture them with emails. So it's become so formulaic. And even if we take those practices and apply it even with like ABM, which I think is a really smart approach to marketing, we're still applying a lot of that same framework to it. I think it's ripe for innovation that sort of goes through this sort of like experience lens. And I think that's where when you do that, you can actually up the quality of the interaction, up the quality of the content, up the quality of everything um, that will resonate better with people. Well, and it's crazy too, going back to your original comment about, you know, swapping out the logos and, and people not really being able to tell the difference. I mean, even the stats on your site are insane. Like only one in four brands stands out to consumers and that, you know, 98% of consumers are more inclined to make a purchase after an experience. I mean, it seems like there's more than enough data and evidence there about, you know, people, it's not enough to just be there and be present. It's it's really about differentiating yourself from everybody else. It's it's so true. And I, and I don't have the sets in front of me. I just, you know, I, I geek out a little bit over these experience stats, right? Since it's sort of, you know, the world that we live in. And it was something by this other experiential agency put out today, this report, and had a bunch of fascinating stacks, stats about just the change even in experiential marketing, which I think, again, is just indicative to more and more people have an expectation for brands to actually make a connection or make them feel better. So, you know, I, it, I think it has implications across the whole board. And, and, I, and I think about, too, when it even comes in the B2B space, right? So a lot of the sort of digital content world, I mean, B2B companies are creating a lot of that content. Like, it's one thing when you focus on like brand experience and you're deciding to choose between like a Coke or a Pepsi. When you have an even bigger decision in the B2B space, which these often are, like the the feel good, to feel comfortable, to feel connected to that decision that you're going to make where you're signing a year deal and you're spending thousands of dollars. I think the importance of what you create from a brand and the experience you have there is super valuable in making people feel confident even in that purchasing decision as well. Sometimes the more complex decisions can be made simpler by just feeling like, wow, this company gets me. They're serving me up the right information. The information's great. All of that go a long way, I think, in being able to help instill like a confidence. And this other stat uh, that Walker had is by 2020, 
customer experience is over going to take price and product as a key brand differentiator. And I think a, a big thing of that is what people are doing in particular from the content that they're creating and putting out online. Nice. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, so Ryan, we've had a lot of great conversations so far about sort of what is experiential content and what, why does it matter and the impact of it? Let's talk about some examples. But before we do, we're going to take a super quick break. So everybody hang in there. We just have to hear from our sponsors real fast. And then we're going to come back with Ryan. And we are actually going to give you some very tangible, amazing examples of what this all looks like. So stick around and we will be right back. Hi, friends. This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connect Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report, where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now at uberflip.com slash connex show report. That's uberflip.com slash connex show report. And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help. Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at convinceandconvert.com. Do you want to know the proven content marketing formula big brands use to create content but wish it was in a step-by-step course tailored to your small business needs? Do you also want to know exactly what content to make for whom and when to drive new sales and keep your existing customers? If so, visit contentmarketingclass.com to get started right now with an on-demand work-at-your-own-pace course brought to you by JBear and Convince and Convert. Again, visit contentmarketingclass.com today to accelerate your content marketing efforts and crush your sales goals. All right, Ryan. So we unpacked what experiential content is. And if you don't know what it is, then you probably weren't listening to the first half of this podcast. So just rewind and then get back to this point. And now what we're going to do is make sure that people can visualize it. Because I think you even said to me once, you know, understanding this conceptually versus visualizing it, it just goes to that next level. So maybe what you could help us do, what I'd love to understand is the different ways in which we can create experiential content, maybe even at different stages of the buyer journey or different ways, because I know it's not just with a blog that we can do this or a PDF. It's, it's different ways that we're using those forms of content. Yeah, totally. As I mentioned before, it's very much a mindset. And I think you can even think about it in this sort of like buyer's journey. And you can even think about in the digital space. I mean, what all companies are doing is we're trying to take people on this journey from awareness to advocacy. And throughout that process, we're like courting them and educating them and hopefully they're purchasing. And then even after they become a customer, delighting them to the point that they're recommending and advocating us to others. Along that digital journey, there's a ton of touch points that a company has with them as a brand. And you've got a lot of different opportunities in the digital space to create these moments or inject sort of content as well. And as I was saying before about experiential content, it's not a it's not a thing, it's not a tactic. And deliberately we aren't referring to as interactive content. Like BuzzFeed has interactive quizzes and people are like, oh, I should just have quizzes to all my blog posts because that's what BuzzFeed does on their content. And I think that's a very sort of tactical approach where as we were talking about earlier is 
how do you have that whole sort of mindset towards it? So oftentimes I explain to people that experiential content can be anything from a piece of micro content all the way to, you know, a microsite or even your website, right? But like all those things that fit in between it. So I could probably illustrate it in sort of like three quick examples, you know, what a piece of micro content might be. So taking what you're already doing, if you have a robust sort of blogging strategy that you're doing, within the framework of that blog, you're already used to embedding a, you know, a video or imagery in some cases. But one way that you could take that blog post and make it more experiential it, to help people better understand what that brand is, is take that theme and maybe animate key elements to it. And as people scroll through that blog, blog post and hit different moments, elements of that story are actually animating and unfolding. Or if you're trying to bring to life some different data visualization, different stats, allow people to contextualize that, you know, charts or graphs and allow them to actually interact with it and click on different elements of it or hover over a map of the country and show them what's happening in different geographical regions. So bringing in some of those elements that might be interactive, might be animated, um, but allow people to sort of take that story, which you're already creating from a blog post and feel it more you know, feel more connection to it as one it. example. That's a great one. That's a great one. Okay, let's keep going through the buyer journey. Yeah, another one is all right. So then, from there, a lot of people are used to creating whether it be white papers or eBooks or reports. Um, you know, as marketers, we we, we produce a lot of these. Um, but once people get to our landing page and download it, we have no idea. Like I often joke that like I collect. PDFs and hope that they'll be worth something someday. And I don't open them, but they're just stored on my hard drive somewhere. Um, and people wouldn't really know, right? So the ability to you take what was a, a ebook and suddenly reimagine that as a piece of experiential content, something that lives digitally. You take that same content, and as I was sort of mentioning with the blog post, blog post, it can sort of unfold before you. So you reach key points of the story that you're trying to tell, and as people are journeying through it. At, pieces are animating on, which is sort of pulling them a little bit more deeper emotionally into the content itself. Um, and then you can use interaction in smart ways. You might be looking at data, you might be looking at maps, or you might be saying, to help you better understand this, we want to set up a little bit of a quiz to see, did you retain this or going into this? Where are you starting from? There's a number of things that you can do. And by keeping this on a digital thing that lives online, you're able to also get all of the analytics and things that happen there. And you can get really fun with this too. It's like, start integrating like a chat bot. So like Drift or whatever that you're using for like conversational marketing. Now in real time, when you're engaging with that piece of content, you can be chatting with the authors and the brand that created it in the first place. And rather than having to put it behind like a gated landing page, if you're actually creating something that's of value, that's worthwhile to people, let them get two-thirds, a third of the way through that piece of content and then gate it from there. Then allow them to unlock it with a form that's sort of like embedded halfway through rather than being like, hey, trust me, this is going to be awesome. Like download this, give me all your information first, provide a little bit of value up front. I and like then, that. Um, oh, so I was just going to say, I feel like especially PDFs are one of those things that, that marketers and content marketers just sort of like create and they're like, ah, and then it's just like, it, yeah, like you said, it just, we have like 95 million PDFs on our hard drives that we don't ever, like maybe we go back and revisit, but it's not actually like lo useful, like long-term or there isn't really much, there's no interaction beyond that. So I love yeah. that. Yeah, Ryan, I think this is one area that Uberflip and Sarah both have philosophies around and, and, and I think we're aligned on them. I think the, the challenge with PDFs, I often say also is that they're dead ends, right? Because, no, because totally. they are downloaded, we are going outside of the browser you know, technically sometimes we may open it up as a tablet in a browser, but we're going outside of a browser that can 
give us a next piece of content or on through that journey, which is such a problem when we think about this idea of wanting people to binge and consume more and engage more with us. So, all right, we got, we got one more, if I'm counting right. I think you've hit on two types and I think you yeah. promised us three. I'll give you three examples. The last one as we move through the journey, right? So we had very top of the funnel. We had sort of like the conversion point with when you're downloading like a PDF. But another place where, place where we've just seen people see like massive results is uh, with proposals. So sales decks, sales enablement, sales proposals, and people converting. It's, it's astonishing. The point when you're trying to get someone to purchase from your brand, so many companies take a Word document transform that into a PDF and that's what they send along as a proposal. Like that's, that's what most companies are doing, but instead reimagining that proposal. So um, we've had customers of ours that will take those proposals that are putting together, um, let's say in the sort of like design space and you're, you're putting together a proposal for an office redesign. And these would be things that would be like 20, 30, 50 page, like static proposals that people are like flipping through instead that's imagined as one experiential piece that people can journey through a f interactive floor plan of the office that they're proposing clicking into each of the areas and seeing specifically what's the furniture what's the design of that going to look like go down and then delve, um, delve deeper into each of the aspects of the this individual furniture itself there's a section where you get to meet your team in a fun way of animating each of the different people that be working with a timeline of what the sort of like working like looks together and you can roll over each aspect of that timeline to get more detail. Same thing being it's in a digital space, you can easily have a menu that stays present. And so if you are pitching to a large team, no longer are you making people flip through 30 pages to find that one thing that they're specifically looking for within the proposal. They can jump right to there and go there instantly. And then on the other side, you're creating something that is stylistically just you know, beautiful. And two things that we've seen, the companies that we've worked with that have sort of reimagined that, not only have their conversion rates gone up, but some of the companies in particular that have done this by offering services have been able to charge more for the same services because their way in which the proposal reflects their brand and the services that they can provide. So there's a real sort of tangible like financial ROI to this as well as all the other sort of intangible stuff that I think comes along with the brand experience or the ability to be able to just track and see how people engaging and sharing this. Like same thing with a PDF and a proposal. You don't know if they're opening it. You don't know if they're sharing it around. Um, this just gives marketers much more insight not only into the data that's happening but the ability to sort of um, create a better experience and um, share that. Well, and I think what's crazy too is like some of those things that you mentioned don't even take a lot of effort, but have such high impact. Like, like the video of the team member, like somebody could record a quick 30 second, like, Hey, I'm Anna. I'm so excited to work with you. I can't wait. Like, I, this is my role. This is um, how I'm going to work with you. Can't wait to meet you like that. Somebody could do at their desk in 30 seconds and the value and impact of that just took it beyond just a static piece of, of, oh, you know, oh, yeah, it's insane. It's awesome. Um, Ryan, this, those were amazing examples. And I think everybody's gears are probably turning and they're probably thinking about how they can start to make their content much more experiential. Um, if they want to learn more about experiential content, where should they go? <laughs> well, there's a couple places that we've created just to help people sort of just understand it and get inspired. So a few things I'd point out is like saros.com slash inspire um, is kind of like Behance, right? So Adobe, if you're looking for like cool visual designs, we created a space that has like over a thousand examples of just beautiful examples of experiential content that you can sort by industry, sort by type. So you're looking for ebook or proposals or micro content um, as well as like different elements there. So that's a great place just to go and kind of get inspired by if you're looking like, hey, 
how do we operationalize this within our organization? We've got saras.com slash inspire. Um, and that's a place where there's just a bunch of resources that we offer to people. And then obviously, you know, if, if people are looking for solutions to do that, you know, that's sort of the, the bread and butter of what Saros is. Awesome. All right, everybody, go check it out. Get inspired. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for being on. We got to know the professional side of you. And what we like to do is also get to know the personal side of you. So stick around with us for just a little bit longer because Randy has some fun questions planned for you. So everybody stick around and we're going to get to know Ryan a little bit more after this. Hey, everyone. I wanted to take just a few seconds today to talk to you about Emma. Emma is an email marketing platform that helps you connect with your audience and grow lasting relationships. They're awesome. They offer really intuitive tools to build and automate emails with powerful segmentation and reporting too. And the big difference is they're focused on you. Between their award-winning support and their pro services team, they make sure every customer has success with their email marketing. Seriously, they are amazing. You can learn more and request a demo today at myemma.com slash J is awesome. Again, that's myemma.com slash J is awesome. All right, Ryan. So we've talked all about kind of these unexpected experiences, you know, not just navigating through a blog post and knowing what we're coming to. Something else that I learned about you that I, I find intriguing is that you like to go into bars where there's like hidden doors, right? Most of us call these speakeasies. And, uh, you know, you just never know what's coming, right? You think you've walked into a bar or some sort of storefront, and then all of a sudden, there's that trap door. So this is going to be a question to all of us. Where is the best speakeasy you've been to that's got that cool vibe, that place you'd want to go, that you would recommend our listeners to check out? And is there a keyword to get through? Oh, such a good question. Uh, and I know I, 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 I know I was sort of sharing that about it before. It's funny, there's, there's a bunch of them in New York, like where you can like go through a barber shop or go through like the front of it is like a toy store. Um, and, and, and candidly here in New York, it's probably been a year or so since I've been to one of my last ones. But there's something for me being like an experienced guy that just loves the idea of being transported. Um, and the, the name of the place I'm, I'm thinking about is escaping me. So I'm, 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 I'm butchering this question. But what I love to say, like sort of trade say true that era serving you beers and like even inside of it in sort of like paper bags and it's all like this like cool victorian stuff so i just love the idea of like being transported on a journey or experience i'm gonna go off topic just for a moment because uh you're in toronto right yeah or, yeah so i haven't been to speakeasy there but i did go to when i was la- when i was last time in toronto there was a bar that specialized in experiential cocktails so it wasn't like a speakeasy as well but they had this whole menu of cocktails that like was served with like food that had been like flash frozen or like came out with dry ice. It was like these like cool epic cocktails that um, made it more than just a drink and like presented you this like whole like experience with having a cocktail. So that's, so that plus the speakeasies for me, like get me super fired up. But um, I, I, I unfortunately don't have any good tips for, for your listeners. That, that I, can okay. say, I, I mean, there's a cool one in Toronto, your point that it has that it's actually a barbershop as well. I think it's called the gift shop though, if I remember, and basically walk through a barbershop that's a fully functioning barbershop. Like there could be someone getting a haircut, haircut. and you go into the back and, and it's this great 
you know, small experience. They're almost like a little bit asked to you at the door in terms of like, <laughs> what, what nerve do you have coming in? So you have to enter with confidence is, is more than the, the keyword. I know, Anna, you got any speakeasies that you, you frequent? No, but I think there's another one in Toronto that, no, in Cleveland, the one at Content Marketing World. I was thinking it was in Toronto because oh, I, I saw you there with the donuts. There was like a cool donut, donut shop does. up front and then in the back, there's like a whole cool bar. Yeah, you think you're going through like a freezer door or something yeah. like that. Something weird like that. I agree. Yeah, that was a cool vibe. Uh, the Convince and Convert party was there the last Yes, year, yes, right? yes, yes. That's what it is. All right. Well, you know, I, I think the key takeaway from this podcast today, Ryan, is you know, make sure that we surprise people. Right. You know, there's so much content out there. There's so many bars out there. Uh, you know, we got to make sure that we have that that trap door that, you know, that experience is going to stand out. And, and I really thank you for challenging our listeners on that today. For everyone who's, who's joined in again, check out Ciro's.com slash inspire. Uh, it's been Ryan Brown with us. I'm Randy from Uberflip with Anna over from Convince and Convert. This has been the Connex podcast and we thank you so much for tuning in. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.